Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this week in production, I'm ready for some hamon. This week in production is produced by Art Aldrich. The thoughts and opinions expressed here are undoubtedly his own. You can reach Art at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. This is Don McGee. To book me for voiceovers, please call 908-451-6760. Thanks. When I first started working with my main client, which is a uh, big four accounting firm, they were doing something called campus recruiting. And that's really where I first got my start with them. And these were events to recruit college students to come work for the firm. They were mostly done domestically around the U.S. We would go and we'd shoot interviews and activities that they did. And these would be produced into like feel good, look how great our firm is, stories. And I guess the competition was getting fierce amongst the firms to get the best talent. So this particular company decided to up the game a little bit. And they were doing these international recruiting events. And you could do what they called international deployment within your first you know, year or two with the, with the firm, which was, I guess, unique at the time. And so we actually embarked on a couple of... Um, large-scale international shoots. This is, like I said, back in the early 2000s. And we went to um, Spain. We went to Greece. We went to Budapest. Had some great, great memories from those jobs. But they were approached with a certain level of uh, naivete, if, if I will, because I hadn't produced internationally. And it was, it was new. And, and challenging and, and complicated. One of the complications was all of the gear, because this is early 2000s. The cameras were still quite large. We were shooting with um, P2-based standard def cameras. We were using something called a Pro 35 adapter, which was a big glass mechanical mount with spinning ground glass in the back of it, and clunky and heavy. And then we had, you know... Zeiss super speed lenses that we were using. And, and it was, there was a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff you needed to, um, to bring with you to make that kit work. And we would, you know, have crews, sometimes 12 to 15 people traveling 25, 30 road cases. The scary part is I did all of those jobs without something called a carnet. I knew about a carnet. I had read about a carnet back in that, that time frame, but getting a carnet was very complicated. It wasn't uh, anything easy to do. And it was lots of paperwork and insurance and expense. And I just didn't really understand the potential for problems. Now, luckily, luckily, this was again early 2000s, corporate coffers were full. I wasn't restricted too much with budget. So I basically would go in and hire fixers uh, in each of these countries to assist. And a fixer is someone who basically will 
get you out of jams, whether that is coming in with equipment or getting through customs or getting through anything, you know, jail. I mean, you know, fixer literally can fix problems on your on your production. I had that luxury of hiring fixers in all of these countries that I, that I visited. So I never ran into potential problems in doing those jobs. There, there were other issues we had along the way, but nothing with traveling with that large amount of equipment. I, I think the problem in general when traveling internationally and going through immigration and customs is if you're bringing in equipment, you need to show proof of ownership. Otherwise, the country that you're bringing the equipment into wants to charge you a, a duty tax on that on that gear. And if you're traveling with expensive gear like you know we are, it can be tens of thousands of dollars in uh, customs fees they want to charge. They want to know that, okay, you brought it in and here it is, and then it went out and you didn't leave it and sell it in that country. They want to basically make sure they get their, their tax money. It's a delicate process because every customs agent has you know their own motivation for either digging or not digging through your stuff. We would usually have no problem getting into the countries with gear. Sometimes we would have problems getting back into the U.S. with gear. I remember my uh, my business partner Lou would um, carry a portfolio of receipts for our gear, like very unorganized in that sense. But I remember coming back into Newark with, you know, 30 road cases and customs and border officer wanted to see our carnet. And of course we didn't have a carnet and we proceeded to um, show him, you know, 50 pages of receipt. And he just, he looked at us and he probably said, I don't have time for this nonsense. Just get out of here. And, you know, that was kind of the approach I think we took is that, you know, most of these places didn't want to be bothered. Though I do remember coming into Budapest, Hungary, with gear, and there was literally no one at customs to to basically stamp our equipment saying, yes, you brought it in on this flight. Like... There was nothing, and that was a little frightening because um, it seemed like there was potential for peril. Luckily, as I said, we didn't have any issues on any of those jobs. Then, of course, recession and, and all of that international stuff went away, budgets went away, things like that. So I, hadn't, I have not really had too many international jobs. I've had a couple since then, but nothing on the scale that I used to do. One of the most recent jobs that I did internationally was a few years ago, and it was in Great Britain. I was shooting some uh, B-roll at the Farnsborough Air Show. A small crew, no interviews, much less gear, but it was gear that I was uh, as uh, carry-on bags, and it was me and Mr. Lulita with me on, on that job. And I knew about the carnet. I was well aware of the potential trouble. Again, the process of getting said carnet was you know, complicated. But I had read about something called a Form 4457, which is a Customs and Border Patrol document, which says this is gear that I own personally 
and that I'm bringing from the U.S. into, you know, wherever I'm going. And then, you know, it shows that you didn't buy it in another country. And then when you come back into the U.S., they see that you didn't bring this stuff back in that you purchased in, a, in another country. Again, it's all about getting their, their tax dollars. On that form, you fill out all of the items that you're declaring with serial numbers. And then before you fly, the, the day that you fly, you go and find the Customs and Border Patrol office and you get it stamped and dated. And then that's the proof that you left the U.S. with the gear. So I have used that form to go into Great Britain. We actually did a side trip after that job where we had our gear. We went to Ireland and then we were flying home out of Ireland. In the Dublin airport, you actually clear customs in Dublin for the United States. The United States has a customs and border patrol office at the airport. So you're clearing customs at the airport. And you go through this, you know, little questionnaire on a, on a kiosk. And this was actually very nerve wracking for me because I wasn't sure how to answer some of the questions. Like one of the questions was, do you have any commercial equipment? I should have said no, but I, I hesitated and I wasn't sure. And I put yes. And that, that single question flags your ticket for further investigation by the Customs and Border Patrol. And again, we were at the airport. The flight was probably, you know, two or three hours ahead. I usually get to the airport with plenty of time. But at that particular moment, there were only a handful of Customs and Border Patrol people at said office. And there was some case with a child and parents that weren't together and custody and it was very involved. There was a lot of yelling and, and upset people crying. And they were dealing with that as it was ticking closer to me having to get on the plane. And Lulita was already through customs and sitting at the gate. And literally, literally at, at the last minute, I said, listen, you know, my plane's about to leave. And someone assisted me, but they had to hold the plane for like 20 minutes while they finished processing me. And they basically said, you know, this is your fault. You, you know, don't have the right paperwork, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. So my lesson is just say, you know, plead innocent, um, plead stupidity, ask for forgiveness later, and just not say anything about commercial equipment, because that is a red herring. And that was the closest problem I've ever had internationally. And it was, you know, it was definitely palm sweating at that time. Fast forward to this year. I'm in the middle of a big corporate project where we're producing a sports-oriented documentary about the Solheim Cup, which is a, the women's version of the Ryder Cup in golf. And it's taking place this year in Spain, Malaga, Spain. So my client wants to do some shooting in Spain, which sounds very exciting. Of course, I'm older and wiser now. I am now very aware of the potential problems traveling with gear internationally. This is going to be a different kind of job than I've done 
in the heydays. This is not going to be 15 people. This is going to be two people. And uh, we basically have to be prepared for almost anything. We had some discussions. We had a preliminary approach to how we wanted to do this. These are jobs that I've been shooting in Terratron style. They want to shoot interviews in Spain. They want to maintain that. So I'm trying to figure out how I go about producing this with, you know, two, two small travel packs plus whatever I can rent in Spain. I go on to the uh, CML list, which is a great resource for finding people in different places. I get a couple of names for people in, in Spain. We have some conversations. It's a little tricky. You know, part of the um, problem in dealing with European countries is they all take off during the summer for like a whole month. So there's a certain window where you will not get responses. And I think I'm in that that window in the middle of August right now. So communication's been slow, but the project has also shifted. It started out where I would hiring a gaffer and bringing in a, you know, a lighting package and tripods and teleprompters all locally. And I would travel with basically the camera gear and the lenses to shoot B-roll and interviews uh, with what I can carry on the plane. I suppose it was fortuitous because at that point, there's a YouTube channel called officehours.global. They do a lot of production-related things. I've talked about them a few times. Great, great resource. Lots of conversation. They have a Discord channel, and you can ask questions. Lots of knowledgeable people in there, all doing you know different aspects of media. So it's been a great resource. They did a whole special on Carnets, which is amazingly uh, convenient for me at the time. And I did learn about a company, it's called Boomerang, who basically does carnets in a simplified process. They do a lot of the, the paperwork for you, the things that you bonded, you have to have bonds and insurance and all this stuff. They help you do that paperwork and they get you a carnet within a, a week or two. I engaged Boomerang, I started the process, and at that point, I wasn't sure what the exact job was going to need. Like, I didn't know what I was bringing, what I could get locally in Spain. It was in flux. And I spoke to the boomerang people. They said, basically, if you're traveling with it, like on an airplane, if you're going to check your pieces, it's best to put everything on a carnet that you think you might need even if you don't bring it all you can cross it off and with that being as part of your you know traveling possession it's okay to be partial especially going into spain spain is a country where they will accept partial carnet lists i guess you cross off what you don't bring and they're okay checking that stuff in that you do have so that was the approach i took i built a big list serial numbers, descriptions, everything that I could identify with some sort of a serial number got listed with that. Other things get swept up into what they call tools of the trade, cables, little things that, you know, aren't aren't high value, th- things like media and readers and th- things that don't really have serial numbers. So I made a big list, put in my paperwork, and and was preparing to hire 
all of this local assistance. And then the job, of course, has changed since then, of course. Uh, they've been promised certain things by the LPGA, who's in charge of the event, who's the gatekeeper for everything that we're doing there. It's their events, their turf. You know, we're we're there at their graciousness, I suppose, if you want to put it that way. So they basically had given us the impression we were going to have certain things available, we were going to be able to do certain things, and that has now been uh, tightened and reduced. So the scope of the job has been reduced. It's not going to be as involved as the initial plan. So that's probably better because, again, trying to negotiate things in a foreign country, especially when they're on probably holiday and you can't hear back from people, is a little uh, unnerving and unsettling. And I do like to be as buttoned up as I, I can. So this go-round to Spain, I will be going back through Madrid. Madrid is a beautiful city. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. And the Imbirico Jamon, which is basically like their version of uh, prosciutto, amazing, amazing. The the red wine, the prosciutto, the tapas, uh, tremendous, tremendous experience that I had, you know, back in the early 2000s. So it's been probably 15 years or so since I've been to to Spain. Very excited to go back to Madrid for a couple days before I go down to Malaga to do the shoot, and then I'll be returning back through Madrid to fly back to the States. Hopefully all goes well, and it is a smooth process. I'll have more tales. That job is going uh, in September, so I still have a little bit of time to prep, but I'm in the process of, of getting my ducks in a row, as they say. That's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Art Aldridge. Thanks for listening.